dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 168. Welcome back. Uh, first off, let me say I'm going to be running through this episode pretty quickly. It has been, for me personally, an absolutely busy week, and I did not get the opportunity to prepare like I usually do, although I still have some good stuff I'm going to talk about, so I'm going to be running through things quickly. And obviously, we're going to talk about the fact that we've got five matches left in the Liga B-Win, second division report, uh, looks like women's football is nearing a champion. We are very close to deciding our two finalists for the Taça do Portugal coming up. Uh, we also saw uh, some very interesting news about the Champions League, perhaps in the future, having some matches being played in uh, the United States. And then the United States came back up in the news again uh, when Pedro Porenza, in an interview he did with uh, Bola Branca with uh, Renascença Radio, the uh, Catholic radio station in Portugal, he also spoke about uh, the Taça da Liga, and one of the locations they're looking at is the United States. So, uh, But I, I want you to listen to, to what I have to say in the second part about that because there's some perspectives about this from the sports business that I think would be very interesting for you. Uh, I got some criticisms and I got some positive reasons. And uh, I'm, I'm also glad to be talking about things that I've been talking about for a long time and all of a sudden it's being brought up in media because I had a feeling that some of this stuff was going to be happening and, uh, and now it is starting to happen. And... Um, And then obviously we also touch base on Big Three report, as well as some other things that made news, like Caresima this week wanting to play football one more year. Manuel Fernandes, the sporting legend, being honored. Uh, a lot of big names, both rivals, former players, celebrities, came out on uh, Tuesday, a uh, very special day in Portugal, the, the, uh, April the 25th, the Abril 25. And uh, we'll also talk about an update as well from Roberto Martinez and Cristiano uh, uh, Ronaldo. But let me just start off first with, uh, you know, we have um, we have uh, five matches left. Um, basically, uh, obviously the race is what's going to be happening between the top two teams, Benfica and uh, Porto. Uh, Benfica this weekend is going to be playing uh, at Gil Vicente. And let me tell you right now, Gil Vicente, when you look at their last 15 matches, you don't you see some red, which is usually a loss. You see some sort of light blue, which tends to be, um, you know, uh, draws. But you don't see a lot of wins. But the one thing they've done is going back to, I think it's November, Gil Vicente, by my records and by my research, I'm looking at this actually right now here on my phone, my mobile, uh, they haven't lost at home uh, since uh, back in November when they lost to Portimonense, which back at that time, Portimonense was playing some of their best football of the season, and since then they've kind of dropped off. So all eyes are going to be on Barcelos. It's supposed to be sold out. Ticket prices for this are apparently controversial. They are very, very expensive. This is not, from my recollection, the first time we've seen Gil Vicente have very expensive ticket prices, especially when Benfica come to town. But this is a very difficult match for Benfica simply because Daniel Souza and Gil Vicente play very well at home in Barcelos. And I think if you're Roger Schmidt, you know about this. Um, and I think this is going to be a very, very dangerous match. Uh, Benfica beat Gil Vicente uh, um, basically 3-1 to one 
uh, when they played. Uh, and now they're going to have to go up to Barcelos. Porto, meanwhile, doesn't play until the Derby on Sunday night at 1,800 hours. So depending on the result, in other words, if, you know, let's say something goes wrong with Benfica and they drop points, then you know the Stadio Dragon on Sunday night is going to be loud, it's going to be energetic, and people are going to be exciting. If Benfica takes care of business, okay, and goes to Barcelos, then obviously it's going to be a little bit of a, a good atmosphere, but not a great atmosphere because now we're going to be down for four matches. And if you're a Porto fan, you're running out of time. And again, for Benfica, you really need four wins, and that's it. It's done. You win the uh, championship. You win number 38. Um, whereas if you're Porto, um, you really need Benfica to drop points. And I still think, to me, I have not been doing predictions this year. Uh, I think last year I was something like 58% correct. But I still think Benfica is going to go to Barcelos, and they're going to walk away with the three points. They will figure out a way to do it because... They're up against the wall, and even though players like Gonzalo Ramos is not playing very well, he hasn't scored in something like 380 minutes. Um, so it, it's a tough situation for Benfica, um, and therefore all eyes will be on that match on a Sunday night in Barcelos, and then depending on what happens, that will bring a lot of attention uh, to the match on Sunday between Porto and Boavista in the Derby. But everything gets going on Friday night, and it's a good match with Rio Ave against Aroca. Aroca, the fifth-place team in the Liga, they are doing very well. They are five points uh, ahead of uh, seven points. Well, actually, let me clarify. They're in fifth place. They are six points ahead of Familia Gong which has managed to go all the way from the bottom under Juan Pedro Souza and has managed to get the sixth place. But they still have uh, Aroca, a six-point lead on Familia Cone. So, um, you know, Aroca looking to go to Europe. It'll be the second time, if I recall, if they clinch this, that they'll be going to Europe. So that's going to be a pretty big um, match that'll be opening up on Friday against Rio Ave, which is having a mid-table uh, season. They're in, like, 12th place. They're doing okay. But considering the fact that they played in the second division last year and they came up this year, I think their number one goal was uh, to stay up, and that's going to happen. And then on Saturday, you've got five matches. You know, again, they usually spread this out. You've got nothing this week on Monday. You've got Maritimo against the Guimarães. Maritimo has been playing better. They are in uh, playoff of 16th place, but they're only three points away from a struggling Estoril with, uh, you know, who's only three points ahead of them. So... Maritimo has been playing very well. Guimaraes, in their last six, has not won any matches. They have uh, something to the effect of, I think, one draw and five losses. So I think this is a very difficult match for Vitoria to be going to Funchal. Maritimo, I think, is in good shape. You got Braga at home taking on a struggling Purtimunense. Uh, this is a very, very big result uh, for uh, Braga. And by the way, Purtimunense last week, by the way, did beat, interestingly, Gilles Vicente at home. But again... Gil Vicente has been a much better team at home than they are going away. And last week, Portimonets beat them. But uh, Braga will be at home to Portimonets, and I expect Braga to run rough shot over them and, and win and continue to maintain their second seven-point lead on third place. Then you have Chaves taking on Casapia. You got Vizela also at 1,800 hours playing Passos de Ferreira. Passos, not much time left. Five matches for Cesar Pachotto. They, uh, they have eight points behind the team first team not in relegation zone, and that's Estoril. So uh, they need the three points this weekend going to Vizela, which, by the way, is having a decent season in eighth uh, place. 
Uh, and then, of course, the big match on Friday night, uh, Gilles Vicente against Benfica. And then Sunday, you only have uh, three matches. You've got Estoril taking on last place Santa Clara, a pair of teams that are just really awful. Uh, you've got Porto at home to Boavista in the Derby. Again, it's all going to depend on what happens with uh, Gil Vicente Benfica. And then Sporting, uh, again, trying to, uh, their best, keeping hopes alive for third place, even though they're seven points behind Braga. And they don't have an easy match. It might have been an easy match back in the fall, but it's not an easy match as Familia Kong has just been playing brilliant football. They did lose this week into uh, uh, Porto in the Taça de Portugal, which I'll talk about in a minute. But in my opinion, uh, that's a very tough match for Sporting, and that pretty much is going to wrap up uh, round uh, week uh, 20. And when we look at the injury report uh, for this weekend, Alexander Ba. Some reports have said he's going to be available for Benfica. Some say he's still doubtful, uh, but apparently we'll find out soon enough. Uh, moving along, João Mario continues to be on the medical bulletin for Football Club do Porto. Uh, for Gil Vicente hosting Benfica this weekend, the big name that sticks out. Ali Alapur is injured. Stanislav Krucic is injured. Um, and Thomas Oraju, who was loaned by Benfica, cannot play uh, this weekend. And then, of course, you look at Meritimu playing the big match uh, this weekend. Uh, this weekend at home, Meritimu playing Guimarães. They will not have Edgar Costa, who was sent off last week. And they've got injuries to Tramal and Beltram. Uh, Passus has a lot of things going on. They've got Nunu Lima and Rui Perez, who are out with yellows. Uh, Jordan Holsgrove, the Scottish international, picked up something like two yellows within like a few minutes. Uh, he's not a Scottish international, excuse me. Um, I think he's Scottish, but he's not an international. Uh, but he basically picked up two quick uh, yellows and he was sent off. So he is not available this weekend. So Cesar Peixoto has uh, a few players not available. Uh, Braga Andre Costa is injured. Uh, Tormena is out due to yellows. Sporting in terms of, uh, you know, Bregan's everybody knows being rehab, and I'll talk about him later on in the Big Three report. Uh, but uh, Jeremiah St. Just, Giovanni Cabral, and Paulinho uh, are apparently not available for this weekend. Paulinho may return in time when they play Benfica. Uh, Guimarães, uh, Bruno Gaspar is out. He was sent off last week. Uh, Chaves has several injuries. But the big thing is they've got uh, Ricardo Guma is not available because he was uh, sent off last week. Uh, moving along here pretty quickly, um, those are, I think, the ones that stick out. Fama, Familia Kong, uh, Richelli was sent off last week, so he won't be available for the match against uh, Sporting. Also, Alexandro Penetra, who scored a goal last week against Porto Natasa de Portugal, and Ivo Rodrigues are also out due to uh, yellows, and that's really about it. Uh, Ode Daba is basically injured for Roca. He's listed as probable uh, this uh, weekend. And Casapia is going to be missing Rafael Martins. So the big match to me this weekend, like I always do, it's got to be Gil Vicente uh, Benfica, in my opinion, no doubt for what is really on the line. But obviously the derby, and it hasn't really been much of a derby, let's be honest with you, between Porto and Boa Vista. But uh, depending on what happens on Saturday, we'll, we'll say a lot about the motivation uh, going into this game because again we've got five match days left you know before everything will uh, come to an end uh, second division report uh, no real surprise Moreirense continues to lead in uh, first place with uh, 64 points eight points lead over Estrela Amadura big story last week was that academic called Viseu lost at home to Oliverense who had their veteran Japanese international uh, the gentleman in his 50s uh, play make his debut for Oliverense 
But uh, Académico do Viseu, okay, Jorge Costa, fighting for promotion, change of manager for whatever reason, uh, has not been publicly stated what exactly it was. And then last week, Académico Viseu, the players probably not motivated. Ugly loss at home to Oliveirense, 4-1, to awful. And now they are at risk of being out of it, which benefits Ferenc and Astrula Madura. The other result that I thought was interesting last week was that Tundela beat Vila Frequence. Vila Frequence, a team that at one point was also battling near the top, they are starting to drop like a rock in water. Uh, and don't forget, they're going to be changing their name. I think they're merging with Avs Saad, Desportivo do Avs. If I, if I believe I'm correct, they were, of course, in the first division a few years ago, and they won the Taça de Portugal, if you remember. But I think they're merging with uh, Vila Frequence, is merging with Avs. So I know a lot of fans are upset with Vila Frequence. So, a little bit of chaos there uh, with regards to it. Uh, but Morenense in control. Estrela Madura in second with 56. Fenance from the Algar from 54. And I think that's your race because I think Academico Viseu players probably checked out. But we'll see. And then down at the bottom, Cuvilla. Looks like they're going to go down at uh, only 21 points. Throw fence. Good win two weeks ago, but still struggling at the bottom. And B-side is also at the bottom in the playoff zone in 27th place. Of course, B-side next year. <coughs> excuse me, is going to be merging with Cova de Piedad, uh, so they're not going to be around in terms of being known as Bisad. That controversy will come to an end when they merge with Cova de Piedad. And looking at the big match of this weekend, everything that's going on Friday with the Liverent, Estrula Madura, you've got three matches on Saturday, the one that I think sticks out for me because I'm a Turiens fan with family there, Vila Frequence, struggling Vila Frequence, playing my Turians from Torres Vedras. And then you've got uh, five matches on uh, Sunday. Uh, looking at this, what do I think to me is the best match of this weekend? Uh, I'm going to go with probably the match on Friday between Lili Verence and Astrula Madura. I've actually said Astrula Madura a few times, but they just really have had compelling opponents. Uh, Oliverence, big win last week at Academico de Viseu. Can they build on it? Estrela Madura in control in second place to be promoted. This is a very big match for them, and I think I'm going to go with uh, these, uh, with that really being the best match of this weekend. Oliverence against Estrela Madura. Uh, women's football report. Uh, looks like Benfica's women, um, I think they need something like two more wins to wrap up the uh, championship. Um, they've been the most dominant team. They have the best goal differential. And women's football has come a long way. I've talked about it quite a bit on this podcast. But uh, last week, Benfica going to Atletico Uriens, recording a 6-0 win. Uh, Sporting and Braga also did win, but Benfica in control with 54 points. Sporting in second with 45, and Braga in third with 42. Uh, this weekend, uh, actually, there's no football uh, this weekend. Uh, everything gets going in about uh, two weeks um, and I think the best match coming up in two weeks, I'll talk about this next week, um, probably is going to be the match that everybody will be watching. That's Benfica against Villardes de Gaia because that will be the countdown for uh, Benfica with regards to uh, winning uh, the Liga. And that's the end of part one of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. <laughs>
uh, Google Podcast, Spotify, Amazon. I also put up the audio for those that, uh, especially if you've got an unlimited uh, plan on your mobile phone and like me and is on YouTube all the time, you can also listen to it on uh, YouTube and um, the audio will be there as well, as well as everything else that you would hear on this uh, podcast. So, and again, thank you for your uh, support. Again, been doing this for over 25 years with PortugueseSoccer.com. And this is your weekly Portuguese expert here to talk about uh, football. Uh, I want to talk about sports business in Portugal. Uh, that's one of my things that I enjoy reading. I, I subscribe to several newsletters here in the States about sports business, not necessarily about about the scores and the results, but really about the business, the sponsorship, the stadiums, um, and the way that clubs try to cultivate making new money. And very fascinating, two things came up this week uh, that in a way would have an effect on Portuguese clubs. And let me say, I've always been fascinated about Portugal and sports business because Portugal is a country that, with the amount of attention that's given to football, soccer, with the conspiracy theories, with the way people talk about it, the cafes, at the restaurants, uh, the, the games are very well attended, especially the big three. It's hard to believe that there is no sports talk radio the way it is in Toronto with the fan, the way it is in New York with WFAN, the way it is with Boston with WEEI. Um, you got a great sports station. doesn't come to me right now. I apologize. In Philadelphia, uh, I know there's TSN radio in Montreal. Uh, one of the better ones, uh, it's not the greatest overnight, but during the day, especially on a uh, Sunday afternoon, Saturday, is in England, uh, Talk Sport Radio. If you haven't heard of it, I, I encourage you to check it out in the afternoon. Um, that is uh, football all the time in the afternoon. It's fantastic. But Portugal, I find over the years, has gotten more sophisticated with its sports business. And... I'll start off first because I do want to talk about the Champions League maybe coming to the United States, but I want to start off with this comment about the Tas of the League, which, by the way, is an old topic that I've talked about here. I think if you go back a few episodes a month ago, I talked about this. But Pedro Porenza, who is the Liga president, who I think has done a very good job, although there are a few things that I think his office could improve upon, and um, very interesting. He did an interview with, uh, he was interviewed by uh, uh, Bola Branca, which is a sports programming on uh, Radio Ranachensa. I'm probably not saying that right, but it's basically Portugal's Catholic radio station. And they're a very good news service, by the way, uh, Renascença. It's been around for years and years. And they basically asked him about the Tasa of the Liga in the future, and he said that pretty much what I thought he would say. And if you listen to the podcast a month ago, and again, I'm not going to toot my horn, but I will same thing I'm going to talk about the Champions League here in a few minutes because I've been talking about this for a long time that the three market possibilities were Saudi Arabia, the United States, potentially Canada. Um, you know, maybe give Canada a game. I'll explain what I mean that in a minute. Um, and then Europe. And Europe, you have your possibilities with Switzerland, which they played a lot of games. The Portuguese teams usually go there to play a few friendlies in the summer. Obviously, England um, would be a big deal. Um, but, um, you know, the main thing is taking the Tasa of the Liga, the Final Four, which is a competition that doesn't make a lot of people excited, but the reality is it's here to stay. We've already had 15, 16 finals already, 15, 16 editions of it. But the Tasa de Portugal, they also mentioned America, the United States. Um, and I find it fascinating because, number one, let's not forget that, you know, the Northeast is in the middle of winter, and that's where a lot of Portuguese live. I mean, you do have 
a lot of Portuguese living in uh, Florida. I think it's Palm Coast or something like that. And I had a great interview with someone with an Orlando podcast um, who was telling me about this. And I know you've got Portuguese in San Francisco, Santa Clara, San Jose area. But if you're going to bring a Porto Benfica, a sporting Porto or whatever it may be, uh, to go play in the States, and let's say it's, and look, it's most likely going to be the big three when they change the format and it's only the top four teams and then a Braga. Um, you know, the question is, is how many, how, what will a Porto Benfica game? Let me, let me start with that. How many fans will go see Porto Benfica match in the United States? And my thing is a lot. So I think the idea, because obviously a lot of the Portuguese are going to go, especially if it's on a weekend, unless there's a crazy snowstorm. But a lot of people are going to go. And the reality is, is there are a lot of people in the States that are used to watching cold weather football games. Um, so it's not necessarily unheard of. It's certainly not like Green Bay weather in the NFL. But it's not unheard of for people to go in the States, in the Northeast where it's cold, and watch sports outdoors. It really isn't unheard of. But I like the idea of them coming to the States as a possibility, um, possibly as early as two or three years from now. And... But here's the thing to me that annoys me. Is, you know, they just had the dust of the Liga final a few months ago, and you couldn't watch it in the States. Portuguese know about it, but I'm pretty sure there are many Americans that know what the hell the dust of the Liga is in Portugal. And I think this goes back to the fact that the, I think the last few years you haven't been able to watch the dust of the Liga outside of Portugal or only in like certain countries that I think that had some rights. I think it was the Caribbean and Guatemala and Venezuela. Uh, but certainly in the countries... That they're going to look to go to, you know, uh, Canada, USA, um, I think London as well. Um, you you got to show the finals there. So I commend the Liga for taking the initiative to bring potentially the dust of the Liga. And, and by the way, they would do great in America. They would do great. I think they, they got to put one game in Toronto. You cannot come to play three matches in the U.S. and play all of it in the U.S. You got to put one of them in Toronto. One of the semifinals. You got to put it in Toronto. And I say that because I got a lot of Toronto followers, a lot of Portuguese in Toronto. You guys, thankfully, are starting to get more flights. I heard they're adding more flights to Portugal this summer. You know very well that there are a lot of Portuguese and they got to put a game in Toronto. But the talk is right now America. And I think that this is a very smart idea. Um, obviously, you know, you're not going to do it in one stadium. You probably should do a game in uh, Foxborough in Massachusetts. A lot of Portuguese in Massachusetts. You got to put a game maybe down at Red Bull Arena. Uh, and by the way, it won't be cheap because the stadiums are not very easy to rent. You know, they're not just going to open the doors. Uh, it's going to be very expensive. It's going to be very expensive. But I like the league's thinking of trying to expose their product and bringing their football for five days to the U.S., to potentially expose people, not just the Portuguese that are already here, but the average fan that knows all the talent in Portugal. I think this is a very good idea, so I commend Pedro Puenza. I like the idea of them going to Saudi Arabia. I think they're going to make a lot of money there. I don't know if Porto Benfica is going to sell out a 50,000-seat stadium in Saudi Arabia. I don't know. 30, I definitely. Is it going to sell out? Like the way I think, uh, you know, when they brought Barcelona there to play one of the teams? No, I, I, I don't think so. Will they sell out Red Bull Arena if you have Porto Benfica? I think you're going to pretty much sell out. Are they going to sell out Foxborough in Massachusetts, which is something like 70,000 seats with Benfica Porto? My guess is they'll probably do 50 there, especially if it's on a weekend. But I hope I'm wrong, and I hope my words come back to harm me. 
But I compliment the Liga for thinking this way and for bringing the product, but still do a better job of letting people see the dust of the league final, Pedro. Come on, do a little bit better job. I just think that's a very good idea. So again, I spoke about this a month ago. I've been on top of this topic for a while because when it comes, people are going to, you know, people in Portugal won't be happy. I know that. But if you don't understand that when you're a business, your job is to evolve, your job is to find ways to make new money, and that's what they're trying to do here. They're trying to find new ways, new territories to bring their products. So I'm not surprised. Anybody who gets upset, then you really don't understand business. Uh, the NFL plays in London. They play in Mexico. I think they played in Germany. The NBA brings games to London. I think they just played some basketball games in Paris. Baseball, which is not a European sport by any means. Uh, I'm sure some people like it, but they've even played some games there in London, if I recall correctly. Um, hockey tends to play some match, some games as well, sometimes in Scandinavian countries. Obviously, a lot of Scandinavian players play professional hockey in the NHL. So it's not unheard of to do that. And for that, I commend uh, the Liga. But let's stick to Major League Soccer stadiums. If you do come to the U.S., I don't think you're going to sell out. Uh, in my, if you think I'm wrong, challenge me. But you're not going to sell out 70,000 seat, you know, Meadowlands which is, you know, 10 minutes away with no traffic from New York City. I, I just don't see it. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. The other thing I want to talk about sports business is that Seferin, the president of UEFA, did a podcast very, uh, with a very popular uh, group here in the States. And he said that there's a possibility that the Champions League, and I, I wasn't able to understand if he was talking about the final, if he was talking about some matches. But he basically said that, you know, he sees the future of bringing Champions League matches to the U.S. And I talk, I've talked about this in the past. I'm, I'm a little bit angry, you know, when I was trying to put together a few notes, which I haven't been able to do in other years, to go back and look at the episode where I mentioned that this is going to happen, okay? This is going to happen. I've said it. I didn't think it was going to happen so soon, maybe in the next three years. I thought it was more like 10 years away, especially if the planes get faster. But I'm not surprised to hear this because as he said, you know, People watch the Euro matches. They get bigger audience than NBA playoff games. Um, the, he says, I don't know if I believe him, that some of the, I think you're talking about maybe the World Cup final, but not necessarily a group match, was getting Super Bowl audience numbers. I, I don't know where he got that from. I believe that's incorrect when he said that. But the point is, is that there is interest in the U.S. And people get angry at America for hosting these games, yet it's the, the teams aren't being dragged to play in America. They want to go because they want to make money. And the reality is, is there's so many big cities in the U.S. that it could accommodate doing this. Um, you know, in Europe, you know, you live in Geneva. You could fly to Lisbon in two and a half hours to watch a game and then go home the next day and maybe even get to work by late morning. Um, you know, you want to go to London and go see an EPL game. You know, it's a flight of only a few hours depending on where you are in Europe. But people in America don't have that luxury. Uh, people are getting up at 7.30 in the morning to watch Premier League games in the U.S. And if you bring real football, people will be interested. So I'm not surprised to hear that they're talking about this. And it would be interesting to see if by some chance, and, and by the way, they would probably bring a group over. They're not going to bring one group. You know, let's say, uh, let's, you know, let's, let's say, you know, Benfica's group with Benfica, PSG. You know, let's, let, me, let me be hypothetical. Let's say you have a group with three other, uh, Porto Benfica with three other teams in the group, right? They're not going to take the Benfica game, bring it to the States, and then the other group game still gets to play in Europe. They're going to probably take the whole group, you know, those two, um, 
those two matches of that group, they're going to bring him to America. So there's going to be a certain fairness to this. Um, but I like the idea. I think from a perspective, I mean, 90, according to Suffering, 97% of their profits go back to the federations, which means the Portuguese federation is going to get some of this money. Um, I think this would be a very good idea. But if you're European, I can understand. This is your competition. You know, the 5,000 fans that went to Milan to watch those games, how many of those fans are going to probably go to America? Um, I actually think there would be a lot. I don't know if it's going to be 5,000. And by the way, don't be bringing pyro. Don't be bringing pyro over here because that is not tolerated and that is some serious offense over here. A lot of people in Portugal got upset when they criminalized pyro. Well, here, I, uh, you don't. I, I do believe I've seen it done, pyro, outside of Red Bull Stadium when the supporters are coming in, but they don't let them bring it in. Uh, I think they do uh, you know, smoke or something like that, but they don't. But uh, I think this is a good idea. Uh, I think this is the next evolution of business and... If you're sitting there as a fan and you're upset, I don't blame you. But at the end of the day, all the big leagues around the world do it. There's tennis tournaments all over the world. I mean, Formula One goes all over the world. It plays in different countries. It's the world that we're starting to live in that maybe 20 years ago was a pipe dream. But it's time to kind of get with the rest of the world and, and some of these competitions. Uh, it's like a Formula One. Um, they're very popular around the world, and, and I think that's the uh, thought process. And, uh, and look, I still think one day you're going to see teams in the NBA in Europe. Uh, I could definitely see a European division. Um, it's just, it's just if there's a chance to make money, people are going to consider doing it. That's just the way it is. There was a time here in the U.S. that nobody would think about putting a professional sports team in Las Vegas because that is the gambling center of the world. Now you already have an NFL team there. You got an NHL team there. You got, you know, big time sports. All a lot of sports teams go to play games there. And now there's a possibility that baseball is going to be going there. Why? Because it's about money. And I'm not telling you anything that, you know, you should know this already, but I think that's why you're going to start to see these things come. And it's part of, you know, it's it's part of going to where there's a chance to make money. And by the way, there are a lot of people in America that would appreciate it. But it's coming, and I think you just better adapt. Uh, and by the way, if you do make more money coming to the U.S., it makes less of an argument for the Super League because you're giving the clubs more money to make, which is some one of the reasons why they wanted to go to the Super League in the first place. But there's a lot of money to be made. And by the way, they probably will bring Champions League games to the Middle East, Saudi Arabia too. We're not just necessarily talking about you know America. It's just opportunity there. And by the way, when I say America, I'm going to include Toronto because there's a big market is there as well. Anyway. Let's get moving with uh, some quick notes about the big three. Uh, Japanese international Kamada of Eintracht Frankfurt is being linked with uh, Benfica. He was actually in the news last summer. Um, he's apparently a Schmidt desire, so we'll see if that happens. Uh, we also saw in the news, Romario was in the news this week. Uh, he's going to continue to take PKs. I think he's missed. I think he's missed something like three of the last five, three of the last six off the top of my head. Um, so that's a very, very uh, big piece of thing to think about because I think he's 15 of 18, and, but only 3 of 6 in the last. And this is not the time of the season to be missing a PK as well. Um, Porto, uh, big news this week. Tony renewed, not really a surprise. And he obviously comes back and scores the winning goal against Fama in the first leg of the Tasa de Portugal. 
and then, of course, we saw Porto Marcano become the all-time leading scorer for Porto as a uh, defender with his 27th goal as Porto beat Fama. And by the way, the Portuguese Cup, the Tasso de Portugal, let me take a quick moment and mention this. Uh, you know, obviously, Braga's already through. Uh, Porto winning 2-1 to one at Fama. Now they get to come home and protect that result next Thursday at home. But uh, even though there's a possibility anything could happen, I see Porto wrapping it up and going back to the Tasso de Portugal uh, final. Uh, sporting, a lot of news with Sporting. Paulinho talked that he'll be back in time for the Benfica match. Thiago Tomás who's been playing in Germany with Stuttgart. He's got a price tag of $15 million. Stuttgart does not want to activate it. It's too expensive. Uh, they'll probably buy him for a lot less money. So Thiago, in a sense, hasn't gone there and lit it up on fire by any means uh, in terms of his play and his uh, scoring. But uh, that's an interesting, and obviously Sporting wants to sell the kid, uh, who at one point was considered a crown jewel, and obviously he's not anymore. But uh, they obviously want to take that money and get Ruben Amarin, a striker that he sorely wants. Uh, Braganza looks like he's going to renew. He's overcoming a serious knee injury. Uh, no really surprise. They want to keep him. Um, but he should be a player that will figure into next season. Pote wants to be the, the leading scorer in the league. I think he was two years ago. So if you're sporting and you lose out hope on third place, what's the next thing you do? You try to get Pote the scoring title. But he's still got a lot of work uh, to do. Uh, with uh, that. Uh, and also, by the way, a lot of bad news. Uh, Pedro Porro, you know, obviously he went to go play, uh, he went to, you know, to the Premier League, to Spurs. Uh, a lot of criticism of him. So yet another Portuguese player that leaves Portugal, goes to Europe uh, in this case, and uh, is not doing uh, very well, which is too bad. Uh, other news before I wrap up this episode, again, I didn't think it was going to be very long. Coresima has announced he's going to stay one more year and he's going to look to play somewhere else. I'm surprised the MLS. One of the teams don't go after him. I mean, he's kind of an exciting player. And I think with his creativity, he would do well in the MLS. I'm, I'm very surprised that you know he has not got an opportunity with the MLS. I know he's got the age thing and all that. But, I, I God, I'd love to see the Red Bulls bring in somebody like that. I don't think he's terribly expensive. Um, I, I don't understand. Uh, Manuel Fernandes got a big honorary match. A lot of people, celebrities, Pedro Mendes, um, a lot of celebrities, uh, former sporting players, I mean, you name it, they were there and they honored the very legendary scorer for uh, sporting. Uh, uh, Manuel Fernandez is the guy, by the way, many years ago that led Santa Clara to promotion. And then I think even uh, when Santa Clara came to play the New England Revolution in the States, I believe he came with them to play that match and he was the manager. Uh, so a little bit of history with Manuel uh, Fernandez. Uh, Roberto Martinez was in the news doing an interview with a 1001 of RTP, uh, complimented the Portuguese league on it being a uh, the sixth best league in Europe. Uh, tough league for referees because the players here really are challenge you, and that's why they go to do very well. Although some would disagree with Denzel Fernandez and Pedro Porto, uh, and some even with Darwin, by the way. But uh, he had a lot of things to say. Talked about how the youth. You know, how he wants to keep the best youth players playing in the Portuguese system. He also talked about um, uh, basically Rafa. He said that, you know, he did reach out, but at the end of the day, you got to respect the decision. And, you know, Rafa basically has decided to hang up his boots in terms of international play, and he's going to leave it alone. Uh, if I'm Rafa, why would I come back unless I have a guarantee I'm going to start? And, you know, that Roberto Martinez is going to give him the guarantee to start. So, it, you know, that's the way that goes. And Roberto Martinez has been doing the rounds. He's been on television. He, 
weekends. I mean, it's got to be great to be the national team manager when on weekends you could fly to London or Germany or Spain and catch some matches and know that being the, the uh, you know, the manager, the mister of Portugal opens the doors for you to watch those matches with the phone call uh, to the press office. But, uh, you know, nothing gets going for Portugal in terms of the national team until uh, June. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, we're starting to see some cracks in his popularity in Saudi Arabia. His team was eliminated uh, from the uh, cup. Uh, I said to Cristiano that, well, I didn't say to Cristiano, but I said of Cristiano, excuse me, that if you're Cristiano, you need to score a goal a game to show that you are the same player that you were, you know, three, four, five years ago. And it's been a little bit of a struggle, mostly because I think Saudi Arabia players are probably a little bit tougher. Uh, last thing I want to talk about is Bilinenses is apparently uh, in the position to be promoted to the second division. Of course, if you know the story, Bilinenses is an institution. They had a football team. There was a fallout with the Saad. And, of course, that's where Belenich's Saad came up, and they moved on to another team. And um, as a result, um, you know, Belenich's decided to start their own team. They started in the lower division, and now they're working their way up. Five straight promotions, and if all goes well, they have a possibility to come up to the second division. Of course, don't worry about them playing B-Saad, because, again, B-Saad's going to be changing names next year. But that's a terrific feel-good story, and I know a lot of people that are very excited about that part um, of it. Um, and let me wrap up this episode like I always do, talking about my favorite team in uh, Portugal. Um, and that is, of course, uh, Atletico do Jarcos, uh, playing the fifth tier in Viana do Castelo. Uh, basically, they are four points behind the last place team, uh, which is uh, Limianos. Um, and Atletico last week, they beat the 17th place team. Limianos beat the last place team. So. As a result, Limianos continues to lead by four points. Only one team gets promoted to the fourth tier in this group, and Atletico has five matches to try to turn it around. Again, they were up by five points back in December. They blew it, and now, as a result, they're playing catch-up, but they are slowly running out of time. Um, and uh, this weekend, they've got a very tough match. They're going to be going to eighth place, ADC Correa. Uh, but Limianos also has a very tough match. And again, it's all about Limianos losing. Limianos, uh, they have a home match this weekend against the fifth-place team, Valenciano, but they are playing at home. Limianos with a plus-74 goal difference. So, hey, if they can uh, grab a point, Valenciano, and uh, basically Atletico Zaracuz wins, they would manage to cut the lead to two points with four matches left. But again, uh, we need a little bit of help from Lemiano slipping up in order to try to get there. Anyway, folks, that's going to wrap up episode 168 of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, and as always, uh, please uh, take care of yourselves. Please take care of your families. And I'll talk to you next time. Ciao, everybody.